0: Hello, college football fans. Welcome to episode 20 of College Football Throwdown. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and it all the way in uh, northern Michigan, I am joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Good evening. That's right. We're coast-to-coast coast here, from L.A. to Michigan. You know, we'll, we'll cover all the bases here for you on this uh, week 7 recap episode of our uh, college football throwdown podcast
1: that's right and and this is the national uh, 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 podcast where we talk about uh, the whole sport of college football a little bit with of course a little bit of a a bias and, and 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 heavier dose of big 10
0: that's correct so to uh start with this recap um as i said on the Nebraska podcast i got the chance to uh go to a bar here in LA and I was watching the Nebraska game at the same time I was watching the uh, Michigan-Michigan State game. They were both on at the same time. This bar had a bunch of games going all at once. Uh, I'm forgetting. It was the Syracuse game they had on a third TV. And that ended up going into like triple overtime. So it was like three great games right in front of me. Um, But but it was kind of convenient, actually. The Nebraska game wrapped up, but the Michigan State-Michigan game kept going because it was more passing and a slower game. All those uh official reviews they had, so that kind of got my full attention after the Nebraska game got done.
1: That was nice. Uh, I was able to do the same, and uh, in fact, ended up being late to a uh, an event here in Traverse City because I just refused to leave until that Michigan Michigan State game was over. Well,
0: and I got to believe that any of the dads who uh, went to that on time were kicking themselves afterwards. <laughs> That is true. That is true. <laughs> because, yeah, obviously, you know, there's a lot of games to talk about this week, but the biggest and craziest, most historic has to be the Michigan-Michigan State game where we saw one of the craziest endings to any football game since the, uh, well, of all time, gave me definitely flashbacks of the kick six from the Alabama-Auburn game from 2013.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and uh, in fact, I, I thought about that, too, that that was certainly one of the, the ones that, that came to mind. I, I spoke with a Michigan fan uh, about this event, and, and, and he put it right up there with the pain of, uh, of the Colorado pass, which you're too young to remember this one. Uh, but uh, when uh, Michigan was beat by uh, Cordell Stewart and the University of Colorado at, at uh, uh, Michigan Stadium there um, on a, p- a final play Hail Mary pass, that was caught in the end zone for a touchdown that that led to you know uh Colorado you know leading off to a, a great season and you know crushing Michigan on a heart 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 uh, breaking kind of way and mm-hmm. he compared it to that event and saying it was as bad as that and even worse because it was Michigan State not some right. you know Non-conference game like Colorado,
0: right? Well, and what it reminded me of too, actually, was the Appalachian State upset from back in the mid two thousands. Because I was, I remember being at our friend, um, your friend, and my, our family friend, I should say, Brian Clowers' house, Michigan fan at at his house that day that they won on that block, blocked field goal return for a touchdown at the end of the game, right
1: gosh but uh but the, but the, it was amazing the only bad part of the sad part of this whole deal is the is the young man who who scored the touchdown getting uh breaking his hip uh in, on the play yeah um, well, did he
0: and, break but, it on the play or was it because everyone piled on to him
1: you know i i don't know and i am not sure that i'm I'm not, I'm not sure they're gonna let that out because <laughs> i don't think they want to admit that that if that's in fact how it happened
0: yeah that that was kind of sad to see. I actually just saw a uh, that the the Michigan punter had like a press conference where he was apparently very like a nice to everybody and apologetic, basically saying, "I know it was my fault. It wasn't the snapper's fault, you know." And I've had a lot of fans reach out to me actually in a very positive way. So it was good to see that because I know yeah. there was some like hate hate threats to him on the internet and stuff after the game too.
1: Correct. Yep. And that and that's the ugly ugly side of you know college football and and i wish that it it didn't happen that way it should never get to that point
0: i'm also reminded of something uh well i guess one more thing about the michigan michigan state game and then we'll move on to this but um it was a definitely great game um in terms of defense you know i mean there was a lot of great defense being played on both sides of the ball um i definitely did question um Mark Dantonio's some of his decision making because like near the beginning of the game they had the chance for a field goal and they but they went for it on fourth down and didn't get it and i didn't understand his logic at that point because it was so early in the game and you knew it was going to be a low scoring game based on how things were going so i don't know why you don't take the you know three points there when he went for a fake uh it was another. He went for a fourth down again later in the game. Didn't get it, and so I just kind of thought he was being too aggressive, and what was striking me as more of a field possession kind of football game than anything.
1: Yeah. Well, they ended up being zero for four on fourth downs. Michigan State was in the game, and yet still ended up ultimately winning, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, they, uh, uh, you know, D'Antonio just—he's got a history. Of of being aggressive, mm-hmm. both in terms of trick plays as well as just going for it on fourth down, he uh, he just chooses to be an aggressive uh, uh, play caller or offensive mind, if you will. Um, uh, he's always going to be that way. And now the thing is, is that when you're always that way, uh, teams can anticipate that you're going to make those kinds of choices, that you're going to that you're going to do something interesting. Mm-hmm. And and you know, Mark Antonio doesn't care that you think that or know that. Because that means you're you're having to practice for and prepare for even more, you know? Right.
0: And uh, we actually predicted this game on our previous podcast. Um, you said it was going to be a 10-point Michigan victory, didn't give a score. I said it was going to be a Michigan victory of 24-21. And although we were both wrong, I'd like to Boy, point out that... You were ha- really close. Yeah, had, had the game ended where everyone thought it was going to end, it would have been 23-20 Michigan victory. So I was still pretty close.
1: Yes, you were. Yes, you were. So, take yeah, that. Yeah, but now, now you you mentioned uh, uh, in general that this was one of those great weekends of college football. I mean, people, you know, sometimes you get great games that were unexpected, uh, and and you end up with a great weekend uh, that, that didn't look like it on paper. This looked like a watershed weekend just because of the matchups that were all over the board uh, as far as uh, big time games. Now, some of them ended up being not as eventful as you would have hoped. Um, you know, yeah. uh, uh, Alabama uh, played really well against AM and and pretty much controlled that game. And uh, that was not as competitive as people might have hoped for. You know, some of those kinds of things didn't quite pl- pan out. Uh, USC-Notre Dame was every bit uh, what people thought it was going to be, but what a great matchup that was. I'm trying to think of some of the other big games that we had, um, you know, for the weekend. Um,
0: oh, yeah, there was uh, there was a couple of good ones. Utah. Well, uh, another big one was LSU Florida, which was a good game. Yes. I actually got to catch the the end of that game, like the the, the last half of the fourth quarter, um, and so I got to see Les Miles' trick play that won that gave them their last touchdown. Basically, that was that was cool to see. Yes,
1: and so uh, I mean it was it was just a great weekend of college football. Uh, Ohio State Penn State was another big game that. You know, you'd, you'd hoped, or you might have thought maybe was going to be more competitive than ultimately was, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, but impressive nonetheless to see the list of of matchups. <clears throat> but then you had some surprising ones like the like the uh, old Miss getting beat by uh, Miss uh, Memphis,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and um, and then what was the other one? Uh, it was uh... oh Oklahoma just crushing Kansas State
0: well that and there was another big one uh utah state beat boise state uh 52 to 26
1: yes yeah unexpected yeah
0: um what uh what division is memphis in because i remember hearing that they're on like some sort of like 13 game winning streak or something like they're, that they're,
1: well they're in they're division one I. I mean they're the same as you know okay top five but but they are in the uh, other five you know um um, they are not one of the Power Five conferences. They're in the American Athletic Conference, the AAU.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it seems like because now that that victory jumped them up to like 18th in the polls or something yep. like that.
1: Yep. Well, and uh, and rightfully so. I mean, it's about time they start getting some attention. They're undefeated, and now they've got a, a big win on their resume. And that quarterback, boy, if you watch that game or even the highlights of that game, it's pretty clear that their quarterback is the real deal and he can zip that ball boy
0: yeah actually i wanted to, you should you deserve some congratulations here dad we predicted the lsu florida game i thought it was going to be a 49 35 game uh and you predicted the correct score lsu winning 35 28 as it turns out
1: all right good stuff
0: <laughs> yeah i also uh 49 35 i should say my score was with an lsu victory so you're we both thinking in that direction um the bit of news that popped in my head that I remembered, I kind of forgot about it because it was early in last week. Um, but it, uh, I'm gonna mess up his name. The big head coach who who quit uh, last week. What was his? Um,
1: you're talking about Steve Spurrier. Steve Ball Spurrier, yes. yes,
0: yes, Um, personally, and I don't know as much enough about the situation to really like judge it. But I thought that was kind of strange because I know he was saying earlier before the season or early in the season that he was gonna he had no plans of retiring and he was gonna stick with these guys blah 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 uh, but then the, he starts getting some more heat and they lose a couple games and he kind of bails out a little bit in the middle of their season I, I was a little uh put off by that myself
1: uh i i share your view alex i i agree that you know it's interesting how he he continues to get a pass from quite quite a high percentage of of the sports media because he was he was a, 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 a media favorite, let's say, uh, because people loved his, you know, uh, quips and he was very cocky and he was he was completely OK with stirring the pot. And he he was a guy who just said what was on his mind. He didn't have much of a filter. He didn't always do the typical um, what would you call it, um, uh, <laughs> the, the typical coach speak. Right. He would say things that other coaches would never dare say. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So anyway, that's that's the thing that made him kind of a fan favorite uh, or not a fan favorite, but a uh, media favorite. And so when this happened, how you described it, I think, is the way I viewed it, too. I think the guy quit on his team. Uh, You know, unless he has a medical uh, circumstance that won't allow him to continue, what he did is not consistent with with what you demand of your of your team uh and all, through all those years of being a coach and stuff and, and and it's particularly odd given the fact that um like you said he called that special press conference right after uh sec media days was over because he was irritated that so many people were asking him questions about uh, about uh, uh, the potential impending retirement and he was frustrated that there were so few or so many people that were you know a, talking about that and he said that's why it's affecting my recruiting so he was kind of angry about the recruiting and so apparently that was so on his mind that 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 seems to have played into this decision that he was like okay it's clear that with me struggling again that it's going to hurt our recruiting because we're going to get negative recruited so badly about that you know yeah, uh, and and so he just bailed, I, and it's like he fulfilled the prophecy, you
0: know. Yeah, personally, it's it's fine for him. I I I think it the the correct decision might have been to like he could have announced his retirement maybe and said like I'm going to retire at the end of at this the end of the season at this season, and then on the one hand that could negatively affect recruiting and the players motivation and stuff. But on the other hand, it could have the opposite effect of like giving the players this motivation to play hard for coach one last time. And it would give the impression that he was sticking by his team, you know, through this season, not bailing midway through.
1: Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board with that. And I, I would, um, I would believe that he deserves criticism for how he handled that departure. Mm-hmm. And he didn't call it a retirement. He just said he's resigning, mm. so he has every intention, I believe, of entertaining offers that might come his way to coach again. I think he just concluded that he wasn't going to be able to um, have success uh, have success at South Carolina, and that he believes South Carolina could do better with someone other than him. And you know that's easy to say at that point when you're you know as uh, when you have the financial wherewithal that you could step away at any time that you wanted. So, and then he went on ESPN radio and talked about, well, I'm going to go golfing. <laughs> I, just, I just, I just thought it was disingenuous.
0: Yeah. All right. So get off that news sidetrack. Um, an interesting game that I, I remember, I was watching the, the scroll during the Nebraska game and I saw it and I was a little bit intrigued, was that Ohio State, or Iowa State, I should say, put up 21 points against TCU in the first quarter. Looked like they were going to make that a game, and then they didn't score any points throughout the rest of it. Um, what do you right. make of that situation?
1: Well, uh, I think it was just a situation where um, uh, TCU had some mistakes early that Iowa State was able to take advantage of. Uh, Iowa State had some game plan uh, elements in that initially, you know, were effective against TCU, but once they adjusted to those things, there was nothing else.
0: Mm-hmm. There was
1: nothing else.
0: Right. So. Yeah, some other big games that we were talking about in the previous week preview. Um, UCLA-Stanford, a big game in the Pac-12. Uh, Stanford ended up winning that one relatively comfortably, 56-35. Yes. yes.
1: And, uh, you know, UCLA is in a situation where they have lost so many uh, players to injury and such. Uh, that has been pretty difficult for them this year. Uh, they just weren't able to, um, to you know, uh, what do I want to say, uh, overcome it right
0: and so and then uh another one is uh Baylor beat West Virginia 62 38 um, seems like there's a lot of uh a lot of hype for Baylor right now um, like people are pretty pretty certain they're going to be uh, the Big 12 team representing them in the uh in the top 4 this year
1: I think so i mean uh, somebody's going to need to beat them their problem is going to be the same problem that they had last year their uh their non conference season was so uh, uneventful and and they just didn't play anybody. And so now they're counting on the big twelve having enough successful teams that you know they're going to get credit as they flow through there. The problem is uh, that right now you look at you look at the big twelve and you say, okay, you know who's good in the big twelve? Well certainly TCU is uh, Baylor is and you think Oklahoma is, but Oklahoma has also shown themselves to be very much an up and down uh type of team, even mm-hmm. though they've got a good record you know how um and and so then then Texas is also in that mix. how good are they you know right. or how bad are they I don't know you could ask either way so but but the uh, KSU clearly appears to be down Iowa State and Kansas are two of the worst teams probably in all of uh, the power five leagues mm-hmm. and so so as a conference there's just uh I don't know if Baylor's going to have enough of a resume, even as an undefeated uh, conference champion, to, um, to um, uh, necessarily get into that top five, or top four, rather, if, uh, if you have an undefeated Ohio State and a one-loss uh, Alabama, let's say, out of the SEC, and then an a, a, a undefeated Utah or a one-loss Stanford team out west you know when it when it comes down to it when you're choosing between you know ohio state stanford or baylor as the you know, team you know you know alabama if if they win the sec they're in that's a given so there's one of the spots so in those other three spots you've got four teams baylor ohio state you know utah and i'm trying to think and florida florida state for example right uh, the ACC. you know I mean, you, which one of those teams are you going to exclude? Right. And frankly, uh, I don't care if if Baylor scores 60 points in every game. If if uh, you know, <clears throat> if they don't have a dominant victory, if they score 60 points but give up 55 against TCU, that's a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> it's always been their kind of mo: great offense, but you know, kind of crappy defense. Um, isn't uh, Clemson the best team in the ACC right now
1: um well they, they were certainly expected to be one of the best teams but uh they um uh they who did they lose to they've already lost to somebody and maybe it was right. Florida State I, I you know I'm trying to remember I, I my, my memory's uh, escaping me on that question Alex but bottom line is I think that I think that Florida State's a team that's probably gonna Uh, uh, you know, as the season progresses, they're just going to keep getting better. And Clemson has already shown a little bit of an Achilles heel. I'm not sure that uh, Florida State has yet, so.
0: Gotcha. Um, And I wanted to talk a bit about the national kind of perspective on things. Um, What is your kind of thoughts on Ohio State now that it seems like, you know, they're kind of getting their offense under them a little bit, getting a little bit more confident, having JT Barrett be the starter? um, Because Ohio State's kind of this, even though they're they're undefeated and they're the number one team, um, but they've definitely have you know struggled. They haven't shown themselves to be like this undefeatable team. You know they've had these uh, close calls. So where do you think they stand in terms of the you know their their place in the season right now?
1: Right. Well, I would say I would agree with you that they haven't played like the best team in America. Uh, but I think they still have the uh, the the athletes and the overall system and experience to do that. So um, I believe that now that they've finally gotten smart and put the right guy at quarterback, that you're going to begin to see some consistency and con- and and performance offensively, um, uh, because J.T. Barrett is going to play most of the uh, you know snaps at quarterback. I think you're going to see that that team get really really good, uh, and their defense will just take another step up. So they're going to start building towards that that those games at the end of the year where they play Michigan state and then uh, Michigan in those last couple of weeks.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the deciding stretch for them for sure. Absolutely. All right. And to answer our earlier question, actually, it looks like both the Florida state and Clemson are undefeated right now. Um, They have not played each other. They play each other later in the year.
1: Okay. And they're both undefeated. So Clemson, that's right. So Clemson beat Notre Dame, but it was a
0: close game. Yeah, it was a close victory against Notre Dame, and there was a close victory against Louisville, too. That's their two kind of closest shaves so far.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly.
0: All right, and then talking about the upcoming week, week eight, um, it seems, you know, as with all things, there's kind of peaks and lulls. I think last week was definitely a peak. This next one's a little bit of a lull in terms of the you know, games that you would see as a marquee game. Um, but there are still a few definitely interesting ones. Uh, Clemson-Miami is one, to go with something we just talked about. Uh, Cal-UCLA, you know, great in-state rivalry there. Um, Texas Tech playing Oklahoma in the Big 12. And uh, Alabama-Tennessee. Uh, Texas A&M playing Old Miss. I think that might be the biggest game of this weekend. Uh, Utah-USC as well. So. Yeah, I
1: see I think that one's huge. That Utah USC one out west is is a huge game for that Pac Pac 12. Mm-hmm. Huge game. Yeah. Uh, in terms of deciding uh, deciding things. And then uh within the Big 10, I think I think uh for us of course, our game is huge for Nebraska uh, Northwestern, but uh if I look at the the Big 10 West, I'm going to suggest to you that uh, uh Wisconsin plays at a, at Illinois and I think Wisconsin can take a huge step towards being uh, you know right there all the way to the end for the Big 12 West title if they beat this Illinois team because I think if they beat them at at Illinois I think I think Wisconsin's in a, in good shape to to uh, to be right there in case Iowa stumbles
0: all right yeah there's also uh, in the Pac 12 Stanford Washington is another pretty good game mm-hmm. There's also, yep. in, in the Big Ten, MSU plays Indiana, and Ohio State plays Rutgers. So, not, not uh, games they're expected to lose, certainly, but you never know what could happen.
1: Right. Well, and Indiana is one of those teams that could be dangerous on any given day because they clearly have some prolific offensive capabilities, but they don't have um, you know, a great defense, and so they end up getting outscored which is kind of what happens. They weren't able to hold a lead. I mean, it's crazy what happened last week with uh, Indiana-Rutgers, where Indiana at one point in time had a, had a 52-27 to lead and ended up losing 55-52.
0: Wow. That kind of reminds me of the Miami game with, with us a little bit. Right, right. <laughs> All right. So why don't we go ahead and predict uh, the Utah-USC game since that's your okay. favorite of this upcoming week. I want to hear your yeah. prediction.
1: Well, this one's really interesting. I mean, a lot of people. In fact, I, I think I think USC is like three and three,
0: okay, yep.
1: and and they're the favorites against an undefeated, top five ranked Utah.
0: Yeah, I I saw that uh, on on yes on ESPN's website. It had uh, Kurt Kurt Herb Street uh, yeah. was said that he thought Utah was going to upset USC this weekend. I'm like. Yeah, how is that even a question? Like Utah is looking like they're the dominant team in the Pac twelve right. right now.
1: Right. Well, and see that's the that's the uh, uh, I, I I will call it the the uh, um, interpretive media bias where the media is so enamored with what has now become almost as big as the game is the whole a- aspect of um, uh, of recruiting and you look at the uh, individual players that, that make up the USC roster and how many of them are likely to be you know, uh, highly regarded uh, draftees you know, in the NFL. And then you look at the Utah roster and you don't see as many of those players and you convince yourself rather easily that uh, uh, U- USC is the better team. But the fact is they're not. Utah is the team that's coached better and that executes better and that does all those things better. And even though USC played hard and played well against Notre Dame, Utah's the team that has been consistent and, and you know taking care of business every week. So mm-hmm. I'm inclined to believe that in college football that that Utah uh, uh, teamwork aspect is gonna, is gonna have more, um, more uh, significance, right? So I would predict a Utah victory, but it won't surprise me if USC's individual talent, because, again, if that individual talent chooses to show up and play hard and play uh, collectively as a team, they are better than Utah. It's just a matter of whether or not they're going to do that on that particular game. Whereas Utah, you, you can pretty much count on the fact that Coach Willingham's team's going to show up and play well, uh, no matter what.
0: Right. So what's your score going to be in that case?
1: Okay, since it's at USC, I think it is going to be close. And and I think, again, USC is going to be playing and win that, you know, backs against the wall kind of mentality. But I think at some point they crack. I think I think Utah's consistency, Utah's, you know, not making mistakes will lead to a a point in the game where USC will crack a little bit uh, in terms of their mental uh, stability, mental toughness. And uh, all of a sudden, Utah will get a break that goes their way and that's the difference in the game. So I'm going to say it's a, about a 10-point uh, victory for, for, for uh, Utah. Uh, let's say uh,
0: 31-21. 31-21. All righty then. Um, interesting. I, I was just looking up USC's schedule because I'm curious that they're, you know, that how they're guarded being 3-3. Three and three. Um, But I guess looking at their losses, they had a 10-point game against Stanford and then the 10-point game against Notre Dame. I guess their uh toughest loss was uh against Washington. They lost 17 to 12.
1: Right. Right. And 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 that Washington is probably not well, not probably. Washington is not one of the best teams.
0: Mhm. Yeah, for sure. But they beat Arizona they beat Arizona State soundly who went on that following week to beat UCLA, you know, so it's one of those funky things, isn't it?
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. It is crazy.
0: Uh but personally as you can probably tell by the fact that I was befuddled at the concept that USC was the favorite, um, even though it is in uh, in here in L.A., that would actually be a great game to go to, but I have other plans this weekend. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict a Utah victory. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say... Uh, I'm going to go a step beyond what you said, Dad. I think it's going to be a uh, 21 to, let's say thirty eight victory. I'm gonna okay. up, up yours by one touchdown, a seventeen point right. victory for uh, but you, Utah.
1: For Utah. So you, yeah, that's okay. Okay. Very cool. All
0: right. Yeah, so this what, is oh, sorry. what about
1: what we well I'm wondering if we need to do at least one other uh quick prediction uh, and okay. uh you know outside of the Nebraska okay. Northwestern well, game.
0: Let's do I, Sorry, go ahead. Go no you go ahead. All right, well I mean to me, the, the biggest other game that weekend is Texas A&M-Old Miss in the SEC.
1: Yes, okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict A&M is the victor there uh, uh, for two reasons. Old Miss, I think, is going to reel, be reeling a little bit because of their loss uh, to Memphis. And they lost one of their best players. And I'm, I don't know the details of his injury, but I, I expect he'll at least... Uh, be lost for um, uh, this week, if not for the season. I, I I don't know the history on it, but he seemed to do something that uh, was pretty severe. Uh, he was playing f- uh, fullback or something on offense, but he's one of the best defensive linemen in the country, certainly an NFL prospect, and he was playing on offense and got hurt.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I so. All right. So, what's your prediction then for the uh, score? You think?
1: I said about a ten point. Did I say ten points or not? No. Uh, I'm going to say a and going to uh, win this pretty comfortably. Actually, uh, I'm going to suggest that uh, um, A&M is is going to win uh, by 17. So, let's go with that. Uh, uh, f- let's see, 40. Let's say 45 to, to 28 or something like that. Is that is that about 17 points.
0: <laughs> yeah, that works. Um, I honestly don't know much about either of these two teams, uh, so I'm going to go for uh, a little bit of a reversal. Usually I always agree with you on these things, but I'll I'll go ahead and say I think Ole Miss will win this game. Mm-hmm. Um, little really close, but I'm going to say, let's say they win it um, 35 to 30, uh, let me think, it would be 31
1: Thirty-five, thirty-one, old mess.
0: Awesome. Yes, we'll see. We'll see on that. Which one yes. wins yes. out there?
1: Well, and you know, and I think what we need to do is devote some time next week, uh, especially on our national podcast, to take an, uh, take kind of an assessment at this point and identify the key the key teams that uh, you know things should start to uh, get clear. And we're gonna we're in the mode here where we're gonna start having the uh, committees gonna start meeting. Mm-hmm. and, and you, they're going to start providing their uh, top uh, 20, you know, uh, and that's going to be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I wanted to mention that too because that does start next week, right? Mm-hmm, next week. All right, yeah, definitely exciting time to be a college football fan for sure.
1: Absolutely. All right. it's, it's it's crunch time here now, baby.
0: Yeah, well, it was crazy for me. They put up, like, up, upcoming games, I think, for Michigan uh, on the uh, – Michigan State game. I think they even they did it. You know, before the end of the game, obviously, but like they were predicting the Michigan's victory or something. But right. uh, but I was like amazed that there was like only like seven games left in the season, or is it six now?
1: Yeah, well, even less than that. I think. I mean, that, we're, that f- we're already played seven games, so you're we've right. got five games left.
0: You're right. Five. So
1: regular season.
0: You're right. So yeah, I mean, it seems. Like, it was only yesterday that, you know, the season was starting. Now we only have five games left. Where did it all go?
1: Exactly. Great question.
0: But uh, if you all out there enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can email us at uh, huskerpeat 13 at gmail.com. You can find us on Potomatic We're com. You can find us on iTunes under College Football Throwdown. Uh, you can leave us comments on the Potomatic page. You know, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us ratings and reviews there. It's like hearing feedback from the fans, for sure. Uh, So thank you all out there for listening, and uh, go Big Red. Go Big Red.